0: Hey everybody, welcome to The Gathering Podcast. This is the official podcast of The Gathering, a ministry of First United Methodist Church of Evaldi. We have a service that meets Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock in our gym. This is the teaching podcast of The Gathering. So hope that you enjoy, hope that you're blessed, and if you ever get a chance, you're in town, come by, check us out Sunday mornings at 11. So that being said, let's dive into the Word. want to start with a quote from, uh, somebody told me if you haven't seen this movie, you're not a real Christian, so be prepared to, you know, have your whole life questioned right now, but if you haven't seen the movie Braveheart, don't watch it till you're 18, Um, but in that movie, um, I don't know who says that, I can't remember if William Wallace Mel Gibson says it or if somebody else says it, um, in one of the narrators, it says, all men die, but not all men truly live. And I realize there's a diverse crowd here, so I'm going to quote another great movie, WALL-E, you know, John and Sam's favorite movie ever. The space captain is facing off against the robot. I can't remember his name, but he's Hal from whatever the old space movie is anyway. And uh, some of y'all are taking offense that I don't know the name of that movie. But the space captain is struggling with his robot co-pilot, and he he says to him, you know, I have to ensure your survival. And he's like, I don't want to survive. I want to live. And, and that might make you think, well, isn't that the same thing? Isn't surviving and living the same thing? And, and no, absolutely not. And uh, the last movie I want to quote for you all, of course, is because, you know, I just love movies. But in the Lost World Jurassic Park, um, if you're not familiar with it, go home and watch that movie now. I watched that movie when I was seven years old. Not probably the best thing in the world, but I remember having to go to the bathroom. And right at the part where the T-Rex is in the camp, and he turns around and goes, and I was like, Get out of there. And ever since then, I've loved dinosaurs, and I've loved them before that. But uh, in that movie, there's this great white hunter who's, who's been brought in to make sure that they can capture all the dinosaurs, and, and he's like the coolest man ever. And in the, the extended edition, you're like, of course he knows about the extended edition. There's a little more backstory, and you get to see what kind of character he is, other than just this great white hunter. But anyway, in the movie, which most normal people watch, not the extended edition, um, sorry, I digress but he's out there and he's going on this hunt and um, you find out the only thing he wants to be paid is the right to hunt the Tyrannosaurus Rex because he's, he's like somewhere on this island is the greatest predator that ever lived, and the second greatest predator is going to take him down. And it's like, okay, sir, you know, calm down, calm down. You no, know? but anyway, he's out there, and they're walking with the other guys. And he's a bad guy, by the way, um, very, very dynamic character, very complicated. I like those characters. And the Bible's full of them, by the way. So you don't just have to go to the movies to be, find incredible stories. But uh, he's walking along, and one of these other guys comes up, and he's like the eco-green-friendly, you know, burn-you-down-if-you-even-look-at-a-fur-coat like, kind of guy. And he asks him a question, and uh, he says, Do you remember that story? This is the hunter talking. He says, Do you remember that story they did in the newspaper about that guy who climbed up Mount Everest? And they asked him, Why did you go up there to die? And he just ends it, and then he walks off. And I don't think he says anything else throughout the movie. But uh, he says, I didn't go up there to die. I went up there to live. And so I want to ask you this morning, if God is the God of the living, and He gives a, excuse me, He gives us this living hope, then what does it mean to be alive? Is existing in our physical demeanor the same thing as being alive? And I think that you've all heard of, of the tragedy when somebody says they feel dead inside, or they just don't feel like they're living anymore. And if you go to the self-help section at, at Barnes & Noble or if you're more spiritual at like Borders. Oh, Borders is gone. Rest in peace, Borders. Um, what's the other one? Mardell. If you go there, if you're or, or uh, even Lifeway's gone now. Gosh. Thanks, Amazon. Um, if you go there and you look in the self-help section, you'll find all these titles of books. And, and some of them are Christian books and some of them aren't. But you'll see books like Your Best Life Now or The Purpose Driven Life or Living Your Fullest Life. And the gospel has something more important to say about our life and what it means to be alive. And Jesus tells us in John 10:10, I have come to give life and life abundantly, life to the fullest, the, the best life that you could live. And it's funny because the gospel is at, at odds a lot of time with the way we think we should be living. You won't live your life now. You can live a pretty good one right now. But if we believe what the Bible teaches us, our best life is yet to come, not in this world, but in the next one. And of course we 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 don't just want to to just get by you know if, if given the option, you know are you going are you gonna buy something that's just you know good enough or do you tend to look for something that's a little nicer? Why do we have all these stained glass windows? Why is there this just super delicate crown molding that if you've ever put together crown molding or anything like this, it's this is a work of art. You know, am I right, Joe? Am I right? You know, I mean, I saw, I walked in on one of these remodels, and I'm used to you know just putting up the crown and just. And uh, I saw these guys at the bottom. They're they're taking pieces and they're putting little. All these little pieces have to be connected, and you know somebody did it, and 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 it's in here for a reason. When we could have just had a big white rectangle, and we could have met the same thing, but. As one of my professors in college told us, art makes life more beautiful. It makes it more enjoyable, and, and God is a God of beauty. In Exodus and, and in other parts, in Deuteronomy and Numbers, you can find it also, but, but he told Moses, get these two men. They are the greatest craftsmen in your people group, and they will be in charge of building my tabernacle. He didn't just say, go get some schmuck with some glue and paper mache. He said, get the best ones and put them in charge of building the tabernacle. We talk about what does it mean to survive versus what does it mean to really live. I, I watched the the show Alone on uh, I think it's Discovery or, or Nat Geo, one of those. It, it hadn't been on in a while, but I, I think it's on um, Netflix now. It's it's a great show worth watching. Basically, these contestants, ten contestants, go out into the wilderness. Most of the time, it's Alaska or. Sometimes it's Patagonia. One of them was in Mongolia. And they go out to these super, super harsh environments. They get ten things that they can take with them. And all their knowledge they've gained their whole lives. And it's last man standing wins $500,000. And I was like, you know, $500,000 just do not sound enough. And I'm like, Sam, it's $500,000. It's 500000 more dollars than you have right now, okay? But anyway, these guys go out there. And they're like, they're they're. Fighting for their lives at times. Some of them are like hungry. One of them is like, I'm eating this tree bark, and then some of them drink water out of desperation, and then they get sick, and they have to call for emergency um, exfil and all this stuff, and it's it's just an intense show. And the cool thing is, is that girls do it also. And a girl hasn't won yet, but I'm rooting for them, ladies, okay? On the last season, there was this girl, and she was there right at the end. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this could be the one where a woman wins it. And I'm like, I don't know how I feel about that, you know? But anyway, she's right there at the end, and they, they did this dramatic reveal of who's going home, and the, the camera's coming up, and they're like, I'm like, pan up already. Who's going home? And it's the girl, and I was like, ah, oh, shucks, kind of. You know, <laughs> anyway, y'all can just beat me up later. Um, but anyway, I'm like, why did she quit? She was trucking along. She was doing better than the other guy. The other guy's like, I don't have enough food to make it more than three more days. She has food. She has shelter. She's, she's so peaceful and joyful. And what happens is, I don't even have pockets to put my hands in my pocket. She, she talks to him, and they said, why did, why did you decide to give up? And she's like, well, it's my mom's birthday today. And it's like, oh, shoot. You don't think about that mental side, realizing you're not. Some of, it goes through Thanksgiving and up to Christmas at the time of year they go. And so a lot of these guys are family people. And they have all of this stuff that they're putting aside to go after this dream. And some people would call them crazy and whatever. But they go out there and this woman's like, it's my mom's birthday. She says, I feel like I came out here and did what I needed to do. And now I'm afraid that I'm missing too much of my life. And so she, she tapped out. But survival and living are not the same thing. And, and sometimes we find ourselves living and life is, is not always happy. And it's definitely uncomfortable. And, and we can tend to try and judge our, our place in God's will or, or in how much God loves us based on our circumstances, our surroundings, maybe even thinking that, oh, I have, I have this blessing in my life, therefore God is near to us. You know, my candidate won or my candidate lost, therefore God is, is looking at me a certain way. And I have to say this boldly now because I've learned what it means, but suffering is not always outside of the will of God for your life. Sometimes he will refine you and he will use fire because you are golden, not necessarily because of anything good you've done, but because his son is in you. And if he's called you, he will perfect you. And he is not finished. He is faithful to complete that perfection, to bring you life and life more than you could ever dream or imagine but we get caught up in thinking what it means for God to be our living hope, for God to give us life abundantly. And there's plenty of slogans, you know, living the high life or my favorite shows my millennial age, but YOLO, you guys remember YOLO? Or were you just like, I don't know what my kids are talking about. We had to yo-yo, you know, but YOLO was the big one for us in college. And it means you only live once. Another lie. You don't only live once. We know that after this life, God has something greater for us. The Bible puts it another way. The the biblical equivalent of YOLO is when Jesus is talking about how some people think that they should just eat and drink tonight, for tomorrow we may die. And who cares about our future? You know, let's go and consume everything we can. Let's entertain ourselves. Let's chase this high feeling and forget about all that hard stuff. And life is hard. Why do you think so many people find so many ways to consume themselves and distract themselves. And it's not just things like drugs and sex. It's work. It's your phone. It's, it's video games and, and it's sports. And it's things that can be good, that can help us grow in a godly way. But when they consume us, when they become an idol in our heart and they take the place of God Almighty, they will consume us. They will destroy us. There's a high-profile football player. I cannot remember. I think his name is Antonio Brown but he basically has to, has to be a babysitter to another high-profile football player. I think it's Tom Brady. And uh, anyway, I'm like, if I was Tom Brady, I'd be like, no, I am not babysitting this grown man. If he wants to go kill himself with drugs and women, I'm, I am Tom Brady. And I think Tom Brady would have that attitude because he's pretty amazing as a football player. Maybe not a person, but I can't judge him. I don't know him. So anyway, we tend to think that you know, if, if, if all of that stuff is here, then clearly I should enjoy it. And yes, God gives us good gifts. And he does bless us with things. But those things can consume us. And I I told my friend about how much I use technology now. And he kind of jokingly reminded me, but are are you the master or is technology the master? And I was like, of course I'm in charge of this phone. Now let me check my Instagram. You know, and uh, anyway, things consume us. And they're made to be addicting. It's part of the nature of sin. If sin was so horrible, nobody would do it. And we all know that's a lie. Sinning is fun and it is enticing and it is colorful and dressed up and beautiful to try and lure you away, but it's just a counterfeit. So, Christians tend to to find themselves seeking that mountaintop experience and chasing that high when they forget that God is the God of the mountaintop and He's also God in the valley. There's a psalm that says, If I make my bed in Sheol, that means if I die, if if I'm in the worst place that I could ever be, you're still my God. You're still the God. And life is going to have its valleys. And and if you take the metaphor a little further and and look around in in real life and think about your life, most of our life is not always on the mountaintop. And most of our life isn't either in the darkest valleys, but those are part of the journey that we go through. And you go up hearing. And reading the Bible and wondering if this God of ours is who he really claims to be. And, and, and it's not hard because even Israel, when they were delivered out of Egypt, right after seeing the plagues and, and seeing God just totally just obliterate the Egyptians and rescue them, even they had their doubts and their struggles. They came to their first challenges and thought, this isn't even possible. This isn't even possible, and so God saw this and was like, "Okay, I got, I'm gonna have to detour them a little bit." And He takes them to this spot for about ten days and says, "You're gonna stay here, and we're, I'm gonna get y'all ready. I'm gonna prepare you." And they fail right there, and so God says, "Okay, okay, we're gonna take a we're gonna take a little longer time. We're gonna go like forty days or something. We're gonna go through the desert. We're gonna take the long route to get to the to the opening." and, and Guess what? When they get to the Promised Land, the spies go in, and the spies come back, and then like two of them are like, wow, "This is just great! Look at these grapes! You know, <laughs> this is a grape. I'm pretending to hold, not just a cluster." And they find these these great things, and the other ten are like, "No way! This is going to be hard." It's like, "Do you not remember what just happened in Egypt? You know, not a year ago, we were slaving away, being beat to death, and God comes in and just..." slaps Egypt with ten plagues. You know, it was nothing to him. And here you are at the gates of his promised word and you're too afraid to trust him just a little bit more. And so they have to wander for 40 years. Leonard Ravenhill, who's I don't suggest you listen to him, he'll hurt your feelings. He uh, he said in one of his favorite quotes um, that I have of his, he said, some fool is going to pick up the Bible one day and believe it And one of these days, then we'll see the true mighty works of God. But we get so wrapped up in life, and and honestly, a lot of times it's our own fault. Whether it's our debt or sickness or stress or worry that we may lose it all, we just we get so caught up in that side that we just we can't trust God. We see the giants. Or, or we see the battles in front of us and we say, no way, God, it's not, it's not going to happen. And we forget what God has already done. We forget how he's come through time and time again and his, his word is faithful. And I, and I have to wonder sometimes if God doesn't need to save us from ourselves. Cut up the credit card. Quit eating out so much every time. You don't need that new toy. Happiness and, and that life abundantly, you know, that's earned through those things is so fleeting and it will not last ecclesiastes uses the word vanity which just is kind of how they describe smoke it's just here for a little bit and then it goes away and and you know you've had buyer's remorse you know you buy this toy and you're playing with it and you're you're driving on it you're living in it and all of a sudden you're like yeah yeah this place isn't so hot and then all of a sudden you realize that man that thing that i thought that was going to be joyful forever just sort of doesn't fill that hole in here And Jesus warns us about that. If you chase those things, if you worry about those things, it's not going to save you anything. And let me clarify the difference here between just like a vow of poverty and just being exorbitant rich. Because there's a difference also between going and buying like cheap old Walmart shoes. If you're wearing cheap old Walmart shoes, I'm so sorry, but I, I didn't know. Versus like buying quality shoes and then versus buying like Gucci shoes, okay? And if you're wearing Gucci shoes, I'm sorry also. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings, but... You know, and I've been there. I've bought those Cheap O Depot Walmart shoes, and guess what? I've suffered from it. And and part of that suffering has to do with the fact that I've ate junk food all my life and I'm a heavyset guy and I have bad knees because of that. And I'll tell you another point though is, is you're gonna pay for your life somewhere. You know, you're either gonna pay for those cheap shoes to save a dollar or or buy that fast food to not have to cook a home home cooked meal, or eat healthy, spend the extra money, take the time, and, and I know time is precious, and maybe that's one of the reasons Satan tries to keep us so busy, so that we'll neglect the things that matter and are important. But if you keep living that, if you keep doing those things, then someday, Thomaselli's going to take all your money. He takes all my money all the time, okay? Or, or you're going to have to go to the dentist, or you're going to have to join a gym, and, and, and you know these problems come because of the choices we make. And yes, there are things that happen in our lives that are beyond our control. And just ask Job. I'll leave that at there. But there is a cost for your lifestyle somewhere. Where do you want it to be? Do you want it to be up front where you know what it is? Or do you want it down the line with interest? Waylon Jennings. Okay, here you go. Here you go. Waylon Jennings. Song lyrics. He said, and he didn't write it. I looked it up. But we've been so busy keeping up with the Jones. Don't start two-stepping now, okay? Okay. A four-car garage, and we're still building on, maybe it's time we got back to the basics of love. John 10.10, I came to give you life, and life abundantly. So what is the life that God is giving us, that God is and that he offers us? The super simple Conan the Barbarian style answer or if that's too much of a heathen response to you, the simple way Jesus puts it is this. He says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. That's Matthew 22, verse 37 through 40. All the law, all 600 laws. We like to talk about the 10, but there's actually 600 there that also pertain to the law. All the law, all the prophets hangs on this. What would that look like? If we lived out those simple verses and and it's simple, but it's harder than it sounds. And I'm not here to say that I'm perfect, that I have it any better. There's so many times that I have to fall before God and say, God, I'm sorry that I know what you're asking me to do. And I continue to pick up other things and I continue to make excuses and I continue to say, but God, this is for the children. God, this is, this is even for your church. Sometimes we use that and, and. I'll get a little more biblical on you, but Jesus rebuked the teachers because they did this thing. They called it Corbin. What a horrible name. If your name is Corbin, you know, anyway. But it's called taking from what's owed to your family and giving it to God. And he hated that. How many times are we taking what is owed to the responsibility God has given us? In another place, he rebukes the people who come to him and says, get behind me or get away from me. I never knew you. And they say, but we did all this. We cast out demons and we healed people and we did miracles. And, and basically what Jesus is saying, that's not what I asked you to do. You took it upon yourself to think that you knew what was best when I had a job for you. And you ran away from that. And I'm not saying those people aren't saved. But I think it's important to realize that God has asked us to do something every one of us must work through our salvation and i'm going to wrap it up and hopefully not be so mean in the in the closing but every one of us must work through our salvation with fear and trembling that's philippians 2:12 i don't have to explain i don't have time to explain fear and trembling but you should definitely pray about that and look about that but here's the deal the way you love the lord with all your heart, soul, mind and strength may not look the same as somebody else in the room may not look the same as me may not look the same as your parents D.L. Moody, the evangelist who you should look him up, and Charles Spurgeon met one time, and D.L. Moody wanted to meet him the first time, and he knocked on his door, and Spurgeon answers the door with this big old cigar in his hand, and, and Moody was just crushed. He was like, you're my idol. I've been looking up to you. I've been hearing about you, and, and he says to him, he points at him, how can you, the man of God, smoke that big old, how can you do that, that filthy? And Spurgeon, who is one of the greatest preachers ever, looked at Moody's gut, and with cigar in hand, pointed at him and said, the same way you can do that. Boom, roasted, office quote. Anyway, now everybody is going to leave saying that I endorse tobacco products. And I'm just going to, no, no, don't take that. I'm going to advise you to read the Surgeon General's warning on the label. So, <laughs> But every one of us that believes in Christ, that he's our Lord, will have a unique calling on our lives. It's not all the calling to be up here. It's not all a calling to be musicians and, or even be connected to the church in a way. But you're called to be a parent, a husband, a child. You're, you're called to do good in your algebra class. And I'm going to tell you what, you may hate that. I did horrible in algebra class. But every day I showed up, I'm, I'm going to do my best. And if my best is a 65, God gets the glory. And believe me, there were lots of 65s. But how do you figure out where that calling is? How do you figure out what God is asking me to do? I'm going to point you to Romans 12, too, And I'm trying to get through these. I think I have like one more page. Yes. Okay, it says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Romans 12, 2. Getting in his word, seeking after him, praying, spending time with him is the only way to know what he wants and desires. And there's this drill in football That uh, coaches do where they take a ball in their whistle, they point that ball in a direction, and whatever direction they go, the boys gotta run. And I mean it's the greatest thing in the world. I love going to practices and watching these guys just fumble around, they're like kicking their feet up, and then he says, Go this way, and they all go this way, and then he points it back real fast, and they're all running over each other, but they're going and they're moving, and it's great when the coach starts messing with them, going fast, and they're like left and right and all this. And and that's what happens. But if you don't have your eyes on that ball, you're going to get run over or you're going to get, you know, you're going to get called off the side and made to do, you know, some punishment till you learn to listen and pay attention. There's only one thing that matters in this life. What direction God is pointing you? doesn't matter what direction he's pointing your parents, your kids, your spouse. doesn't matter what direction he's pointing your pastor, your best friend. What direction is he pointing you? And he is perfect in his direction. We mess that up a lot. There's a lot of times I think I'm hearing something from God and then something happens and it screws up royally and I'm like, but God, you said, and he's like, I didn't say that. You thought I said that, you know. We had a saying when I was in Howard Payne, um, go you know, I was visiting this weekend and I was reminded one of my buddies, uh, he said this, he, he heard it, but he said it, um, if God has called you to be a missionary, don't settle to be a king. And then he took it a step further and he said, but if God has called you to be a king, do not settle to be a missionary. And I'm pretty sure that some of the folks in the Christian education department would not have appreciated his wisdom as much as we did. But listen, you have a calling. And your calling is the noblest calling God could have for you. Don't don't be so stuck up in seeing someone else saying, they're more spiritual than I am. That's this bull. It's a lie that that Satan's trying to use to keep you from following him, from following Christ, from following God. And I'm going to leave you with Moses. It's a good place to leave you, and I'm going to give you the super abbreviated Cliff Notes version. But at the beginning, the first part of his life, Moses spent his whole life in Pharaoh's palace. You can imagine how good he had it. You can imagine how powerful that time was to be Moses or to be the Pharaoh's second son and the destiny that he must have envisioned himself. and In extra-biblical writings and teachings, they talk about how, how Moses actually served as one of the military commanders in Egypt. And so you can imagine his future and the plans that he felt like his life was going, the direction it was going. But we know the story. If you don't, go read it in Exodus. Exodus 1 and 2. And then the rest of it's also good. But the second part of his life was spent in the desert of Midian. You got this... Probably a little spoiled, rich prince taken out to the desert to work and be a shepherd. But in that place, at Mount Horeb, he met the great I Am. He met God, and he gave him that destiny. And you can imagine Moses going, I'm tired of going this way and that. I just want to be here in this desert. I have a family now. This is my home. I have children. Don't ask me to go back. You can't put that on me, God. And he tried to get out of it. And God finally got fed up with him. I don't know how God didn't kill him. But he spent the last part of his life leading God's people through a wilderness. And finally, and this this may be the worst part of the story. It may be the best part of the story. I really don't know how to interpret it yet. He didn't even get to go into that promised land after faithfully obeying God. Even, even when God wanted to destroy those people and turn him into something special, he contended for God's people. He sought the highest, most best thing for his Lord and his God. And when God said, You're not going in, he didn't throw a fit. He said, You're right. You're right. Your choices are the best choices for my life. And somehow, miraculously, he, he actually does end up in that promised land. Much later, and probably not in a way that even he expected, when on another mountain, him and another prophet get to stand face to face with Jesus Christ and see him in his full glory. And I can't help but think that for all of the pain Moses may have endured not being able to go with his people, that standing in front of his Lord, his Savior that he may not have even known by name, But just trusted in faith and get to see him like that. May I say, God, it was all worth it. God is life. No matter what good things tempt you, no matter what difficulties you face, he is life. And he has come to give you life abundantly. Will you seek it? Will you seek his face? Whether you see it in this world or the next. Let's pray. God, we love you. And sometimes we don't even know, we don't even understand how good you love us. And we get so wrapped up in so many other things that we think are good, that we think matter to you. The only thing that matters to you is for us to seek your face. Doesn't matter if we're rich or poor. doesn't matter if we're clothed or naked. doesn't matter if we're hungry, if we're full, you love us. No sword, no famine. No angel, no demon, no spiritual power, anywhere can separate us from your love. So thank you. We just want to worship you one last time. Here in this moment. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us and checking out our sermons. Uh, Be sure to check out our Facebook page, our Instagram of our social media and uh, get connected with the gathering Uh, we'd love to have you on a sunday morning and get connected face to face so be blessed continue to grow in the grace of the lord jesus